Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarchek. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. The Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Star Training Camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. This is Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. Thanks for joining us today. We got a good show on on tap for everybody today. We're, we have Zach Devine, a contributor for the Hockey Riders for the San Jose Sharks. He'll be joining, joining us a little bit later. Dana Lane from Dana Lane NHL also will be joining us today. Talk about UNLV Hockey's four games in four day weekend up at a tournament in utah so far they're three and oh um we got we're gonna break the ice here as soon as i can get chris on the line um there we go we're doing real good thanks for coming in uh we got uh it's been a while since we've talked um uh, i've I've been kind of upside down in my schedule. It took me a long time to get last week's show out, but it is now finally up, up and posted. We were talking a little Montreal hockey with Nick Guido over at the Writers. And a cool website for expansion draft, guys. Uh, if you want to put together a mock NHL team for the Las Vegas Knights, you can go to planmyteam.com. Uh, good conversation with him. And Dana Lynn came in with the Rebel Report, as always. And... Uh, he saw the logo. So if anybody, uh, he didn't give us any details on it. He wouldn't crack as much as we tried, but, uh, he does talk a little bit about it in general. So go listen to our last show over on SoundCloud or iTunes. Uh, what's going on, Chris? 
Uh, not a lot going on in the league. I guess we'll do start with the breaking the ice segment, and I'm going to rely on your experience here. It seems like it was a it was a huge win for the Arizona Coyotes. They get their building deal done in in Tempe. Uh, like I said, you, that's more your neck of the woods. I know you've spent time in Arizona, so sounds like a, a big win. I would imagine. Would you agree with that? I would. I think it's time to get out of Glendale. They obviously weren't happy with them as tenants uh, for whatever reason. Um, I, I, there's still work to be done on that. They did partner with uh, Arizona State University Sun Devils, so there'll be a uh, about a 4,000-seat arena for the college there in conjunction with a 16,000-seat stadium for the Coyotes. There's still work to be done on the financing. I think they still have to do some approval stuff, but they have a, a deal in place. So I, I think it'll be good for them. It, it's uh, more in the East East Valley, uh, near you know, close to the college. So hopefully it'll be easier for people to get to than, than out on the – far west edge of town uh i think it's it's good for them and and i hope glendale enjoys having an empty arena there because pretty much every time you get a new arena all the acts that come through town that would usually play an arena that size they're going to be booking the new arena so i hope uh the city of glendale city council enjoys paying for all the maintenance that they were whining about with no anchor tenant and probably not very many traveling shows coming to town so they got what they wanted and i hope they enjoy it well that's uh yeah it's good for the <laughs> it seems like they can, yeah they can move they, they can move on and um and uh be sent, be much much more uh, better located for their fan base and uh do we know what time on tuesday the 22nd in terms of the big announcement um what time that's going to kick off in terms of vegas will finally reveal its name as as well as the logo, do we know what time, uh, uh, Vegas time, that is, on Tuesday, that that, uh, that co- press conference will happen? Um, I believe it starts at 5.30. I'm pulling up my my press release now. Uh, next Tuesday, I believe 5.30, and then the doors open at 6.30. Uh, they're going to have hats and, and shirts and stuff with a logo on it, so... We're all looking forward to that. Um, I think a lot has been made about the name of the team and, and how long it's taken and the process. And and we know it's going to be the Las Vegas something nights and everybody is just going to refer to them as the Knights. So having that extra little name in front of it, whether it's Desert Knights, Silver Knights, Black Knights, I don't really think that matters so much i think it's just going to be you know for us here in town the nights um and it'll be it'll be a fun event i'll be there of course um i'll tweet about it i'll get the picture of the logo as soon as i can and and i'll be live tweeting it from in there so check it out at vegas hockey pod tuesday around 6 30 and uh i'll get i'll get the logo posted as soon as i can uh Bad week to be a leg in the National Hockey League. Uh, we had Stamkos with, with the meniscus. You had Hall with the meniscus. Last night, Brad Richardson breaks his fibula and tibula. That was pretty gruesome. I'm I'm a fan of Brad Richardson. He spent some time with the Kings, won a Stanley Cup. Uh, really, really good, solid on the forecheck. Really good third-line player. Um, possesses the puck well. Has decent speed. That's 
going to be, I mean, the Coyotes haven't done much so far, but uh, that's going to be a piece they miss for sure. Uh, Thomas Hurdle goes down last night with uh, an, another knee injury, right right knee, same one that he's injured previously. Um, if you're a shoulder and Darren Holm, Helm, you're out for a f- six weeks with a separated shoulder. And uh, don't uh, who was Johnny Goudreau's finger? Yeah, that was my next one. If you're a finger with Johnny Goudreau, that he did tweet out the surgery was successful, and he's planning on coming back soon. But that's probably at least a month out. Um, which out of all five of those, I mean, I guess you could take Richardson out of play. So, uh, if if you if you're in last place, I don't think my question is going to really be relevant, but who's best situated right now to withstand that injury to the, to their team? Yeah. I mean, obviously I'd have to, you have to go with Tampa Bay that that club has. The only thing I would say is the Sam coast injury is by far the most serious. And, you know, with injuries, it's, it's hard to say. They always say, well, the timeline is this. They're, they're kind of saying four months. First it was four to six months. Now they're saying it's four months and, Four months would take us to the middle or third week of March, and you know, then in a perfect world, Sam Coast could have three weeks to get situated, get accustomed back to playing, and get ready for the playoffs. So, in terms of, and if that plays out, that's all well, fine and dandy. Uh, you know, it's, the, the Lightning uh, are deep enough and good enough uh, that for the regular season, without Stephen Sam Coast they'll be fine. They'll probably, you know, finish second in the division, probably will be the difference between them winning the division and them finishing second. I don't know how much you want to go crazy about that. However, come playoff time, as we saw last year, as as tough of an opponent as they were, you know, they came up a little bit short, and they only had Steven Stamkos for only one game, and, you know, odds are he was not at his best given all the time he's missed. So come playoff time, they have to have a Stephen Stamkos that's ready to rock and roll. So that's going to be the storyline there. And just to touch on the other two things real quick, Taylor Hall, you know, I've been worried about New Jersey in terms of their depth. Uh, they just don't have any. I mean, yes, Corey Schneider's amazing. Taylor, then you have 330-goal scorers and Taylor Hall, uh, Kyle Palmieri, uh, as well as Adam Henrique. So, but they're just not deep enough. So losing Taylor Hall for – three to four weeks, that's going to test that club. And then Johnny Goudeau, the Flames, they're trying to get back to relevancy, back to 500, which seems like that whole, the upper half of that division is in. Um, so the last thing they need is is more uh, more setbacks. So this is a critical time for all teams off to a slow start or off, off not to a good start. So those are my three thoughts on the big injuries there. Yeah, bad week. Bad week to be like. I kind of agree with pretty much everything you ran down. With uh, New Jersey holding down a playoff spot right now, seemed like they were getting their legs under them. And and Tampa started slow, but they were coming on. I don't know. I think you're right that they're best suited to absorb that. They've they've proven they can do it without him. So, I mean, it's tough to lose a 60 goal scorer like that. But um, six to eight weeks, he'll be back. I think Tampa will be fine. It, 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 if uh, New no, Jersey Stamkos can't be out, uh, Stamkos be out four months. Four months on a meniscus? Ooh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be out four months. 
Okay, the, well, that uh, that's... The original report was four to six. Now they kind of downgraded it to four. So, again, sometimes with injuries, things come along a little bit more quickly. They say four months. It's not like it's written in stone. You know, maybe it winds up being three months. Maybe it winds up being five months. So, uh, yeah, he had a pretty serious uh, injury. To his, his his surgery or his situation was more serious than the others. So, uh, okay. again, there's a difference. They'll be fine for the regular season. I mean, uh, they won again today. They won in Philadelphia, I believe, 3 nothing. Uh, they're deep enough, but as you know, Mark, come the come the gauntlet of the hockey playoffs and to beat, you know, the league teams in the East, they're going they're going to have to. Uh, you know, it's possible uh, the Lightning to get the Stanley Cup final might have to be, let's just say, the Canadian uh, the Canadians. Uh, they probably wouldn't play the Canadians in the first round, but they might have to beat two out of the three between the Canadians, uh, Penguins, and the Capitals. I mean that's that's a tough that's a tough road. So they're going to need Stamkos, not only back but ready to contribute at full throttle. All right. Well, well we have we still have a couple of minutes going. Um, I'm a play I'm a play interviewer here with you for a second. What's up with the Islanders? Uh, I know you have a few articles you've written lately. Um, uh, I think you called for for everybody's head to go on the chopping block. There, talk a little bit about your Islanders, sir. Uh, I'll just give a sixty minute, uh, sixty second rundown. Um, basically, they haven't been playing well. Uh, they haven't been scoring. They uh, have blown a lot of third period leads, which, with their defense and their goaltending, should be few and far between. Um, their specialty teams have been terrible. Um, there's been too many line changes with the coaching. Um, it, it, it's and uh, confidence is running low. And then whatever could go wrong has gone wrong in terms of, you know, whatever you want to call it, puck luck and things of that nature. Um, it's not good. I mean, they're tied with the Sabres for uh, the lowest amount of points in the Eastern Conference, uh, which is a little surprising at this point in time. So. It seems like ownership's plan. There was a big, uh, big article regarding Snow before yesterday's game. Uh, kind of held court with all the press on Long Island uh, at the practice facility before practice, and um, well, maybe that was on Thursday actually. And um, basically saying, you know, we're committed to this team. We believe in this team. Believe in this coaching staff. And you know, it seems to me that the new ownership group, which is this first year, which they I'm sure they didn't want this situation. Um, uh, it looks like right now they're going to ride it out, and you know if they come up short, then changes could happen at that point in time. At the uh, you have reached the voicemail box of seven zero two four seven one eight seven seven seven. Hello. All right, that was odd. Are you there still? Okay, we had a glitch go. hope I didn't just lose Chris in the middle of that. Oh, well, anyway, uh, we, we're going to have Zach Devine from thehockeywriters.com joining us at 4 o'clock. We're going to be talking San Jose Sharks, their start, Stanley Cup hangover. We're going to see which players he thinks they're going to lose and whether or not th they're going to 
Um, I apologize. I'm trying to do some work on the studio screen as well. Hello. H Hello. There you are. Yes. So that basically that was uh, I was apropos in talking about the Islanders because everything just kind of fell apart there on, on the show. So, uh, you know, a little irony there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the other the other problem is, as you know, Mark, when you get off to these bad starts with your team, with the team, uh, it's it's not easy to climb back. You have to put together a heck of a string. Um, I, I think it's somewhere around a third of the games are three-point games, so when you're chasing teams, uh, even on night teams that you're chasing lose, they still get a point. So it's it's not good. Um, uh, I, I wrote a positive article uh, between yesterday and today that should be up on Monday on the, the prospect pipeline, so it's good to write about something positive uh, for a change. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a bit bleak, so we'll see. Okay. Well, I think I think we're having trouble getting Dana on the line here, so we're gonna do uh, a little bit of filler for 15 minutes. I had a little a uh, little brain fart there on uh, working with this Blog Talk Radio studio. It's kind of kind of weird to work with, but uh, anyway, uh, we got. Uh, I'll I'll throw down a little bit of Kings talk here since uh, we did a little bit of Islanders. I'm kind of. We talked earlier in the season when Quickie got hurt and then Zadkoff went down. Um, that I think you believe I believe you used the phrase "tread water" is what they needed to do, and and Budai's come in and played just you know probably better than most people expected after his, his year he had last year with the Monarchs. I kind of was kind of excited to see him play back in the NHL and he had just played his 300th NHL game, but he's, he's coming through to 2.12 goals against and, and a, a nine twelve save percentage, I believe. So he's doing his job. I think they're missing more of Gabarik speed and shot and people are, are, have been playing, you know, higher up on the depth chart. I think kind of the same as you were alluding to with New Jersey, there is move, moving people up in the depth chart really weakens your bottom. And the secondary scoring for the Kings has been um, non-existent except for Nick Dowd, who's a rookie who's actually impressed me pretty well. Um, they are, last time I checked, they were up today, but it was the first period was typical, typical of what we've been seeing the last couple. Okay. Four, two final Kings finished it off. Um, against the devils um they were they were leading in shots 19 to 9 out hitting them winning in the face-off circle and and uh for a large part of the period losing one nothing uh, and then it got to uh one one and for whatever reason and i don't know why coach sutter likes to break you up have reached the, the maximum time permitted to record to send your message press one at any time oh come on anyway um, yeah, we, we, the, the Kings were, were playing their typical game, out shooting, out possessing, out, out everything and still losing. So with, with, if, when Gabbert comes back and you can get a, a first line with, with Kopitar, when he comes back, that's going to settle everything down and, the 
what what I was saying, uh, Sutter likes to. What I was saying was Sutter likes to break up the seventies line, and and move move to Foley up, move move Pearson down. Um, he tried Setaguchi on the wing with Carter, and and I really don't see any reason ever to break the seventies line up. And now due to injuries, um, he has put them back together the last couple games since they got off that that disastrous trip through Canada and they proved to be as dynamic now as as they were um you know during the runs that they had previously when they were skating together so I, th- I think you have to leave that line together when you get Kopitar and, and Gabrick back I think I think that's going to let people play a little bit farther down the line one pleasant surprise so far this season with the Kings anyway, is the play of Dustin Brown. He seems to be back to the Brown, maybe not all the way back, but certainly certainly on pace to ha- have a better season than he has the last couple of years. Um, I think maybe he has something to prove, a little angry maybe going into the season, but he's certainly been playing a lot of good hockey. What, what else do you see going on around the league, Chris? Yeah, I mean, for me, with it, just real quick on the Kings, it, it, it really comes down to um, the depth of that of that team, both on the blue line as well as for as well as their as their forwards. Um, what really jumps out at me when you look at the Western Conference is, you know, the Blackhawks are playing tremendously, and you know, it seems like every almost everyone else, all the good teams that you think are either you know they're at five hundred, they're game over, they're game under. Uh, I think the two best teams, uh, the two best records in the West after the Blackhawks are the Blues and the Ducks. And, you know, if you go by the NHL math, for instance, going into this today, the Ducks, I think, were 9-6-3. and three. But if you go by regular math, they played 18 games and they've won nine of them. So, I mean, that's 500. So, it's kind of interesting. Of And then you have a couple teams really struggling like Arizona and Vancouver and such. So, it's kind of interesting, kind of a – and the Oilers have really come back to the pack. So the Western Conference is kind of interesting in that in that regard. The Black Blackhawks, so like you said, Mark, don't ever bury them uh, <laughs> because they'll they'll come back. And I, you know, I was one of them where I, had, I wasn't burying them. I was concerned with the depth of that team and look at what they've done so far. So that that really is a situation out west that jumps jumps out at me. I I agree with that and. We were doing our our central preview show, and I really wanted to shovel the dirt on the Blackhawks, and it's just it's just one of those things with those guys. You can't. Um, I, I I don't think I think you could put what is it, Little Sisters of the Poor, as long as you have Crawford, Kane, and Taves. I think they could probably make the playoffs. Um, it's it's just it's so hard to kill that team that um, there they are once again second place overall in the National Hockey League, leading their division by five points, and they're 16 games in. Um, Interesting looking at that. Go ahead. No, I I think the fact that they, you know, as much as it must have hurt, hurt, but losing in the first round last year for a team that usually plays deep into the year, having that extra time off, uh, probably, you know, recharged and, revitalized and uh, helped with a lot of the bumps and bruises and a lot of hockey that organizations played the last number of years. So that that's probably helped in terms of them springboarding uh, this year as well. 
Yeah, I looked at the standings the other day, and there were there they were, top of the West again. Um, no, no change there. It is. You did mention Edmonton coming back to the pack, and I was able to catch a little bit of a little bit of that game. They were on fire, and I think now um, I, I saw someone's tweet today. I think it was Zach's that uh, that the Connor McDavid is now really in a slump. I wanted to talk, and we when we when we did the. Uh, the Atlantic division show. And I was really excited to see Marner Nylander and Matthews all play together and, and get a glimpse at uh, the future of that. All three of those kids are playing great hockey. They certainly didn't disappoint me. You're on the East coast and probably get a chance to watch a little more Maple Leaf hockey than I do. Have you, have, what, what's your impression on those three kids? Oh, they're going to be tremendous. I mean, uh, they already are off to, you know, great starts in their career. They have the right coach there to help them with the with the fine and rough edges. Uh, we've talked about this before on this show. To me, the, the goal of that organization is going to be about uh, getting the blue line up to speed. And um, so that's going to be their goal going forward in terms of trades, in terms of free agency, in terms of the draft. So uh, it, they, I think they're going to be a real fun, exciting team, which they have been so far. I think they are slightly, they're either right at 500 or a game over or so. I don't think they'll make the playoffs this year, but um, they will be a good learning year for, for that organization. And But that blue line needs a lot of work to uh, uh, to take the next step, if you will. So uh, I think Frederick Anderson took them a little, a little bit of uh, getting used to things in, Tor- in Toronto. They're also a little bit of a slow start. Again, he's not having the same team defense played in front of him in Toronto as he did in Anaheim. But uh, – yeah, no, uh, very good days are ahead for the for the Leafs, uh, say the least. Yeah, I've I've I'm able to watch a, a few of their games whenever they get a national broadcast here, and and they're they're fun to watch again. Uh, I think um, Matt Pryor told us once, if you can't win, lose exciting, and that's right. that that kind of applies to them right now because they're fun hockey team to watch right now. They are eight six and three as we speak one point out of the wild card and i forget who we were talking to um they said they they had toronto pegged at the nine or ten spot um all season long and i thought that was a stretch but it, they're uh they're right there right there in in the 10 slot in the east so you know they get on a hot little run get some confidence like you said freddie anderson gets gets used to things up in toronto um you know, New, Jer- New Jersey might be, like you said, poised to fall down with, with the Taylor Hall injury. Um, Tor- Toronto might squeak in there. We'll have to check with Matt back in a little bit. He's got that playoff prediction system that he hits pretty pretty solidly, 90% prediction rate at about the, the 20, 30 game mark. So um, I'm going to have to text Matt and see where he has Toronto here in, here in a few games. Um, yeah, and the, the East is kind of the opposite of the West. I mean, if you look at it, the Blue Jackets off to a really strong start. And, you know, it might be the difference because the game's played, but I believe they're fifth in the Metro as an, as an example. The Panthers, you know, they've been up and down this year, but they're towards the bottom of the Atlantic because other teams are above 500. Ottawa's playing well. Um, I mean, really, in the East, the only the, the teams that jump out that are really struggling are – as I mentioned before, the Islanders, the Sabres, and and the Hurricanes. But um, yeah, so there's a lot of teams that are going to be vying, if you will, for that wild card because the Rangers are playing tremendous. 
Uh, you got to figure if they're going to, you know, they've already developed a cushion, but they're going to be playing this well the regular season. And you have the Rangers, Caps, and Penguins. There's your three in the Metro Division. You got to figure it's going to be the Canadians and the Lightning for sure in uh, the Atlantic. That leaves kind of one spot open for one of those other teams, and then a then a then a for that wild card. Right, right. Yeah, so so uh, it, it, it's it's going to be stiff competition, <laughs> uh, to say the say the least. So uh, yeah, no, but again, I think Toronto is is doing is definitely doing the right thing, and uh, uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see uh, how how they move forward with uh, uh, with some of these moves and some of these ideas in terms of potential trades. Well, well, the contrast to the the East and West, I saw some today where it said the Western Conference was on pace to need 87 points to get into the playoffs, and the Eastern Conference was on pace to need 101 points to get into the playoffs. So, that's, I mean, that's quite a big shift this early in the season to have things opening up that big. And it's actually, if you, if I mean, if we go back and look, um, the last decade or so, it's been the West that you could say easily was the dominant, the dominant conference. And a lot of youth coming back up in the East and think times they are a changing, perhaps. Um, we did, obviously we got the Penguins last year. Um, they're right there in it. Capitals are right there in it. Do you think when, we, and we talked with Nick Guido last week, what, uh, what do you think about the Canadians? Le Habitant. You think uh, they look pretty? They, yeah, look, they, pretty, look, pretty they look pretty good, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, especially if they can add a defenseman, if they can add another really solid defenseman to that group that, that they have, and Carey Price stays healthy, that's going to be um, that's going to be a tough out. I mean, if the Rangers are for real in terms of getting back to contending status, you know, the Penguins, the Lightning, and the Capitals are all there. I mean, those are those are five five tough teams right there uh, out of the eight. So the Eastern Conference could be could be a real gauntlet to get to uh, to get to that to get to the finals. Yep. Well, while we're while we're waiting on Zach to join us, let me let me do a little business. I got uh, Victory Martial Arts here in Las Vegas is doing another special if anybody here in las vegas uh is looking to get their kids or themselves into a mixed martial arts program uh victory martial arts is the way to go they have kids programs in taekwondo kids programs in in krav maga they have kids programs in anthony pettis's uh mma showtime it's kind of a combination of of jujitsu, Muay Thai, and you know striking, boxing, the, the full MMA package. Um, it, they, they're doing a special where if you go in, you get you get four free classes, and then if you show up, um, they have a deal. For, uh, I think it's $99 a month for the kid. And then uh, another kid is, is 20% off. And then the third kid would, would be free for that two week trial period. So uh, if, if anybody wants to go down do some MMA, 
then Victory Martial Arts is the place to go. Contact them at Victory Martial Arts on Twitter or VictoryMartialArts.com. Well, sir, we're kind of in a in a in a lull here. What uh, you want to talk a little bit of politics? <laughs> it's been an no, interesting week. Definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, so we're waiting on time. <laughs> and uh, uh, it, you know, the one thing I read an interesting article within the last day or so. And, uh, and just interrupt me when Zach pops up on ESPN talking, and I was going to mention this to Dana about it, called Expansion Shenanigans. And I guess there's a concern around the league that, you know, the existing NHL clubs are worried with this 48-hour window that Vegas is going to kind of have a handshake deal with these players during this window and then not sign them during the window, pick somebody else from their team, and then sign them, you know, midnight or whenever, or noon on Eastern time on July 1st. And then conversely, Vegas is worried about the opposite of players that will be exposed in expansion who are free agents to be, that the existing clubs will have a handshake agreement. Uh, so if they take them in expansion, um, should be should be noted that uh, there's some stiff penalties if any club violates the uh, the expansion rules. You lose a first round draft pick. So uh, you know, I'm sure the NHL is going to be monitoring this and was a. Uh, and this this was brought up at the GM meetings this week as well. So, uh, you know, that was a, that was an interesting story I read uh, this week. Mark, are you there? Okay. So, uh, looks like we lost Mark for a second. So we're waiting on Zach Devine. We're going to uh, talk about uh, the San I'm Jose back. Sharks. Okay, we're going to talk about the San Jose Sharks and as well as some of the other teams in the Pacific and get his uh, insights on the draft coming up in June. I know it's early, but we want to get a couple of things in from a Vegas perspective. Uh, so uh, we got you back, Mark. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, there's, uh, we're, certain to, uh, we're certain to have, you know, quite a few little, little backroom backroom phone calls for you know between George McPhee and and some of the other general managers in the league like you know we had to let this guy expose but if you don't take him and there's history of that and from the last expansion draft where uh you know we had to leave this guy exposed but we can we'll send you a second round pick if you don't take that guy if, if for future considerations you know that kind of stuff um, so, I mean, yeah, it, it, you lose your first round pick in the draft that's coming up. That's hopefully as strong enough to turn from, I, and I did read that article you were talking about, and hopefully that might be enough of a deterrent, um, from any of that happening. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, uh, I would, uh, hope these kind of things will, uh, uh, be kept at a minimum, and it seems like the league is uh, they 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 they're on record. I mean, Bill, I saw Bill Delilish, uh, uh, and um, um, and and Bill was very uh, and Mr. Daly was very clear. He wants a competitive expansion team. So uh, I'm sure the word has been sent, and um, and um, yeah. So we we got to get we 
I think it'll be best for all parties, uh, all parties involved. Well, since we're on the Vegas, uh, UNLV is playing in the tournament up in Utah, and I wanted to talk with Dana a little bit about this, but unfortunately he wasn't able to join us today. But they, the the tournament has the kids playing four games in, in four days, which, I mean, that's brutal enough by itself. But uh, first two games, the Rebels put a 10 spot on both their opponents, 10-3 uh, and 10-2. And then this afternoon they played a, a game Boise State team and and won that four to two. So it looks like they're in, in the final of this tournament and they're gonna play their fourth game in four days tomorrow morning at eleven o'clock. So if any if you know, I, we do have some people that that go to UNLV and, and our, our rebel fans here in town. So you can you can find them on their YouTube link is the only way to to watch the game i believe but they do broadcast it on youtube at unlv rebel hockey if you're interested in that uh see how they do i think that they're going to come home from that tournament four and oh maintain their number one overall ranking in the ccha western division and i mean that's going to be that's going to put them at 16 and three on the season and two of their losses were to 16 and five, 16 and five, maybe what, whatever it is, it's ridiculous. And two of their losses were to division one, uh, university of Arizona. And they were, they were in both those games right down to the third period and, and ran out of gas a little bit, but, um, rebel hockey's, uh, rising at the right time, sir. No, that's great to hear. Uh, uh, you know, and I know that they want to take that program to the next level. So, uh, they definitely make a statement this year with their play on the ice and their records for sure. Yep. Well, Chris, that's about all I got for this week. We've kind of ran through the gamut of uh, everything I had in my show notes. You got anything else? I guess we're just going to wrap it up. I got nobody. Uh, both our guests kind of kind of fell out on us. No, well, I, I just got a message from Zach Devine. He has been trying to call in. So uh, um, um, I don't know why he's why why the issue, but he has been trying to call in. He just, I just got that a minute ago. So um, okay, so, I, he, he's uh, not popping. He's not popping up on the studio here. Let me. Um, oh, maybe. maybe. Well, did you get him? Get him the different number. Do you have the six five seven three eight three zero eight six four? That's yeah. Uh, I think it's zero eight six seven, isn't it? Tell him to try zero eight six four. Okay, hold on. Sorry about that, everybody. If anybody's listening live, we're kind of fumbling, fumbling around with this pretty good. Up, oh, I see him there right now. You got him. Yep. Hello, Zach. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm pretty good, except for Skype yeah. kind of failing on all fronts, huh? Well, this, yeah, my the the Block Talk Radio studio is letting me down a couple times here too. Um, other other than that, it's good to talk to you again, sir. As always. Yes, good to be back. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's always good. Always good. Uh, let's start out. Um, 
Sharks are off to a, let's say 50, 50 start. They're running, they're running right around uh 500. Are, are we seeing any sort of uh, let's say, well, you know what? Let's hold on before we get into that. Uh, Thomas hurdle goes down with his knee injury. Do you have any updates on that? Well, that was his right knee. All the video replays were showing um, the knee that he injured in the infamous Dustin Brown incident um, a couple years back. So that's obviously uh, less than ideal news uh, for Sharks fans. Uh, he flew back for, to San Jose to, uh, last I heard was an MRI. So it sounds like it's a little bit more serious than just trying to get some rest and, um, you know, bringing it back home. So it'll be interesting to see what the Sharks do. He's really played well there uh, as the third center. And there's really not more that Peter DeBoer can do to tinker with these lines than he already has. Right, right. And and it seemed like they were just just starting to kind of warm up a little bit. And I, I was leading into what I was just going to say. Is, is Are we looking at, at – uh, a team with a little bit of a Stanley Cup hangover, if you will, playing. Uh, the, there is some age on that team. Were they slow starting? Uh, maybe due to that factor. You know, there's there's so many variables, but but you're right. There's the Stanley Cup letdown. Um, I don't know if it'd be a hangover. The the Penguins have the hangover. We have okay, uh, okay. We here in San Jose have have the letdown. Um, but it is an older team, especially up front. You've got Marlowe, you've got Thornton, Joe Pavelski's 32, Joel Ward. You know, there's some there's some age in very key areas for the forward group. And three of those four players I just mentioned, they were all out at World Cup. So they had a right, long right. spring into summer. Then you had their offseason cut out. Uh, then they're coming back to camp uh, really, really late. You know, camp was had already broke for the most part. And then it was yeah. just kind of slotting the World Cup guys back in. So there's been a lot that I think that they've they've had to to overcome. Uh, Joe Pavelski and Joe Thornton have have stuck together. That's been the the, the two players that DeBoer hasn't broken up on that top line. But they're they're just not rekindling that magic that they had last year, and and that's that's an issue obviously going forward. The good side of that is is that they're finding ways to win. These are team wins. There's there's no over-reliance on anyone, really. So it's good to see that they're still scratching out some wins, but the Sharks are definitely going to have to figure out what's going on uh, with the big line here very, very shortly. Well, once again, we're talking with Zachary Devine. He writes for the San Jose Sharks for the Hockey Writers. Also does uh, a lot of work on on the younger side of things with the drafts for – Hockey profits and Dauber prospects also. And a little later on, we'll ask about uh, Vegas's prospects coming up in next year's draft. Chris, do you want to jump in here? Yeah, in terms of the Sharks. So, so exactly to talk to you again, as always. And um, uh, Brent Burns, um, he is, you know, this summer we saw Jamie Benn and Brad Marchand sign very lucrative deals. Uh, I'm a little surprised. I know you're going to tell me it's still early in the season, but I'm a little surprised uh, that he is still unsigned. And now that we're almost at the quarter pole, I think he's averaging almost a point a game. I wonder if him and his representatives are thinking, hmm, maybe we should just play this year out. Where do we? I mean, it's hard to imagine the Sharks 
not re-signing him. But where do we stand in terms of Brett Burns and uh, playing on his walk here? You know, actually, I don't think that we're jumping the gun at all. If you look at Doug Wilson's history, he doesn't like to go into the summer with key free agents being a distraction all year. Um, Thornton and Marlowe signed their three-year deals um, very early in the season uh, two years ago. And you look at where he gets his work done. This is kind of primetime Doug Wilson signing season right now. So I think if you're looking at the history of, of how Doug Wilson operates, he doesn't let these things fester and become distractions. If Burns isn't signed by the new year, I don't think it bodes well. And come trade deadline, if he still isn't signed, I think he's made that choice for the market. And Brent Burns is, is a bit of an odd duck. In, you know, I'm all the stories about him and his RV and some of his antics, they're all more than true. Um, so I don't know if he's <laughs> really going to sit here and, and say, oh, hometown discount, you know, I like being here. He likes being in his RV, and his RV goes all over. Um, so I think that RV could just as easily park itself in Vancouver or Colorado or New Jersey or anywhere else. You know, I'm not saying he's going to sign with those teams, of course, but I, I think he's he's a bit of a wild child, and I think that that adds a level of complexity that Doug Wilson probably isn't too familiar with. Joe Thornton's going to stay here. He's he's going to he's just going to get a blank check from Doug Wilson, fill out a, a decent number where he can be good with it for a year or two, and move on from there. Brent Burns. He's probably one of the three most dynamic defenders in the game today. It's going to take a very, very big number. Yeah, yeah it's odd that, that. Go ahead, Mark. I, I was just going to say it's odd that 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 dynamic of a player. I mean, obviously, you know, he he could play forward. He has played forward effectively. He's he's rock solid from the blue line. That and he he's not that old. Um, I. Th- I'm surprised that he has not been re-signed by San Jose. Um, just in, in, interesting that, that his off the ice may be playing playing a part in that. Go ahead, Chris. I didn't mean to jump in on you. Yeah, no, no worries. Before I hit you back to Mark, and I'm sure he wants to get your opinion on uh, his Kings and maybe his the Ducks. I'm curious about the Oilers, Zach. You know, they started off great. They were six zero and one. Now they're nine, eight, and one. So that means they're three, seven, and one in their last eleven. Uh, I'll be curious of your thoughts about this young team. And to me, from a, from afar, being all the way on the East Coast, this seems to be a very have been a very fragile team with the youngsters that they have. Is that still a concern as well? I think it has to be. And, and McClellan, he, he was the Sharks coach for a number of years, so we're, we're familiar with him out here on the West Coast. I don't know if I if I'm a buyer on the Oilers quite yet. Larson for Hall, that trade has been chopped up a thousand different ways. I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I understood it from a, from a business standpoint. I think Cam Talbot is a dependable goaltender. I think he's playing he's he's both playing and punching above his weight class right now. But really, with Connor McDavid, anything is possible. That is a player. He's a generational talent. We haven't seen anything like that since Sidney Crosby. So do I think that Edmonton is probably running out of gas on whatever magical start they had 
yes. But I also think that they have such a special player in Connor McDavid where recovering some of that and him stealing a game or two for them is completely plausible as well with the players that he has around him. I don't think that they're contending uh, for a playoff spot or at least legitimately. They might back into one or, or have some other teams falter, but I think there's still a couple of years away from that. But I just can't discount Connor McDavid. He's capable of anything. And uh, along those lines, if if you were if you're a general manager and, and you had you had Oilers or you had Maple Leafs right now, who who would you go with and why? Oh boy, well, Tuffy, that's an excellent question. Um, you know, I I think I'd probably go with the Maple Leafs just because they are more certain down um, down the center. But Edmonton's got good centers as well. You know, that's, that's a really excellent question. And both teams have um, very maligned blue line options and both have, I think, serviceable goalies at the very least. I'd, I'd probably give a bit of an edge to uh, to Frederick Anderson there, even though he had probably one of the roughest starts um, you know, in, <laughs> in recent memory, and besides besides from, Bobrovsky last year, <laughs> well, Bobrovsky <laughs> that was had, a rough he one. had well. injuries. Yeah, that was rough. Um, but coming from, I think what they were expecting in Anaheim to have that kind of rough start, you know, kind of year zero of the Shannon plan being, you know, coming into fruition. Um, I, I think Toronto's a little bit better set up. Marner's excellent. Austin Matthews, I think, will be elite. Connor McDavid is generational, though, and that's yeah. that's the part that I think I really keep pausing at. You can find you can trade for elite players. The San Jose Sharks trade for Joe Thornton. Um, I don't think you trade for Connor McDavid, though. I I think a player like a Jack Eichel or an Austin Matthews, those are guys you could trade for. It costs you the farm, but you could get them. Um, Mitch Marner is another one. Um, we, we saw with Taylor Hall, um, you know, even Sagan, yeah, wow. uh, you know, Kessel, you go down the list, you know, elite players get traded. Generational talents do not. Um, but I, I think Toronto's probably situated to, uh, to turn it around a little bit quicker. I think so too. And I think Nylander is a very underrated player. I think I, uh, when we were talking uh, to start the year, I wanted to see those those three kids play um, together, just at least at least for the nine games, you know, just to get that, just to see what those kids could do at that level. And obviously, all three of them. I I, I think I have to lean on on Toronto's side. You can have Connor McDavid, and and no disrespect to Oilers fan, but the hot mess that is their blue line, and. Um, and I'll, I'll see you in three years, and and uh, we'll we'll see. I, I I think I'd rather have the the just the depth on uh, and the forward core. Uh, I think Toronto's. I mean, you could see what the other number one picks for where it, from Edmonton. Yakupov's gone, Hall's gone. Um, it, it just I think Toronto has stockpiled their talent in the last few years at a, at a better rate of return. 
than what oil interest. I don't think that's really debatable. I'm not breaking any news there, but uh, I, I right now I'm. I, I, I told Chris this earlier on. Um, if 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 you're gonna lose, play exciting hockey, and I think Toronto has has that right now. And it's it's exciting to watch Connor McDavid play because I mean he's just ridiculous, but. I, th- I think I'd rather watch the Maple Leafs as a team just from a fan's point of view. So, I mean, that's, that's where I am on that. And and I think with Marner and Nylander, they still have some room to grow. Yeah. Marner's, you know, doing very well as a rookie. Quite frankly, he's, he's playing much better than I thought him capable of this early. He still does have issues physically. Um, you know, watching him, he's he's a wizard with the puck. He skates exceedingly well. He's very elusive in the corners, but when an NHL size player does catch him, he gets ragdolled. And so I'm still a little concerned that he can survive that kind of um, physical play uh, a little bit like a Jonathan Drouin, who has developed a bit of a reputation for keeping his head down um, and getting lit up for it and causing some uh, durability issues. I could very easily see Marner being in that same grouping where electrifying talent and you just hope that nobody catches him um you know mid dangle well let me let me jump back to the the sharks a little bit and get get back into your ballpark there i last year they went to the stanley cup final as the number three team in the pacific um so i don't think there's any any area you know there's no panic right now being where they're at i think they could do another deep playoff run if they were to you know, play just a little bit above 500 the rest of the way. Is that pretty much the the feeling there? That I mean, it's not certainly not panic time in San Jose at this point, right? It's not panic time, but we're we're unfortunately watching the San Jose Sharks make some of the same mistakes they made last year. They, I mean, really, there's no way else to, to say it, but. Already, they're riding way too hard on, on, on Martin Jones. Aaron Dell's only got two starts so far this year. He's he's a career AHLer. He's clawed his way from the CHL to the ECHL to the AHL, but he's performed at every step, and that's what you want to see in goalie development. Martin Jones last year, they had to play because Alex Stalock was a complete train wreck. He could not get the consistency down. They had to go out and get James Reimer and down the stretch. Reimer got in probably more games than he should have, but the Sharks had to rest Martin Jones. Already this year, that same pattern is emerging. That's got to be a concern. Um, same thing with with the defense. Dylan DeMello, who they've been carrying as their seventh defenseman, who, in my opinion, could easily contend for a number five uh, defender position on most NHL teams. The Sharks are just carrying him around. He hasn't played in a single game. You got to keep these guys fresh. You got to keep them sharp. Injuries are going to happen. Paul Martin is 35 years old. Uh, Justin Braun has had some struggles this year. Mark Edward Vlasic was out for a, a while last season. You've got to keep these guys engaged and sharp because things are going to happen in a long season. And you're exactly right. The Sharks pretty much just have to get in the playoffs. They're and they look like it right now. They don't look like a, a very interested team. They look like a team that is trying to get to the spring and hoping that the, the the switch gets flipped on. 
that's really dangerous, but it's a very veteran team too. And let's face it, if the Sharks won the President's Cup or President's Trophy this year, nobody would care. Nobody would care. This this team is about the Stanley Cup or bust. Yep, that's for sure, especially with the previous President's Cups and where that ended up with the Sharks. Nobody, You're right, nobody, nobody cares about that, and it didn't help Washington last year either. And let's move on to your other uh, area of expertise. Chris, I know you have some draft questions for him. I'm going to have to run off here in a little bit, so we've probably got about five minutes left. Let's, uh, let's get on into next year's draft a little bit, Chris. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, me and Zach love uh, talk draft prospects but, uh, going back to last year. But uh, so, Zach, uh, you know, the, the Vegas franchise is the third best chance to get 11.5% to win the lottery, hence the number one pick. Can you, in your opinion, I know it's early, but in your opinion, is it clear cut that Nolan Patrick is the number one choice come June or? Is this a two-man race or maybe even more complicated than that? Um, I think this is a pretty murky draft year, actually. Um, Nolan Patrick, he's played exceedingly well. as a uh, He's played the last two years in, in the WHL, probably the, the toughest of the three uh, CHL leagues physically. Um, last year was a very long season. They won the WHL, went to the Memorial Cup. He had over 130 points, played in 90-plus games. Um, that is his 17-year-old year. He was just a couple days away from actually being eligible for this past year's draft. So he's going to be a, a very old player, physically mature, um, physically ready. And he's he's probably your, your front runner right now, but there is far from consensus on this. He's just returned from sports hernia surgery. He's only gotten in six games for the Brandon Wheat Kings so far. But he's he's definitely a number two center for for an NHL team. I'm not sure that he's a bona fide number one center, um, and that's going to be the big difference in the 2017 draft uh, compared to the previous years where you've had you know a, a Patrick Line, Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, Connor McDavid. You've, we've really got very spoiled seeing some amazing talent come out. And even further down that list, still in the top ten, though, you've you've had a Tyson Jost, you've had a Clayton Keller, uh, Zach Wierenski's, uh, Provorov, Sergachev. We've really got spoiled, and I think this draft is going to snap back the other way a little bit. This draft, I'd probably have uh, Tim Lilligren. Um, he plays out there in the Swedish Hockey League uh, for Rugla, and he's he was running their power play last year as a, as a 16-year-old in the man's league. Uh, he's got average size, but excellent offensive defenseman. He's definitely um, in the conversation. Uh, Gabriel Velarde over at Windsor, uh, he's in a secondary role for them, You know, especially at center. They've got Logan Brown uh, as, as their big center out there. He's a player that I know isn't getting a lot of talk at number one, but some of these other players are in starring roles, and you do have to look at where these players are deployed. So many times we see young players go into their, you know, the year after their draft and some older players graduate and all of a sudden they explode and people go, oh, well, why didn't we see this last year? Well, it's because they were playing second or third line minutes and second power play. Games. You know, they've got the skill. They're just held down because there's other players uh, that help the team win that are above them. Um, 
Eli Tolvanen is another player. He's a smaller Finnish player but with just a, a – I mean, he's really a sniper, a natural goal scorer. I saw him out in Plymouth quite a bit and just had some amazing plays. He's a lot – I've seen some sites list him as small as five foot eight. I think he's more along the lines of like 5'10", maybe 5'11", um, needs to fill out. And then uh, Nico Herschler, I'm sure I'm butchering that, but for the Mooseheads – um, he's played really well coming over um, from SC Burn his first year in North America and already has 35 points uh, for the uh, the Halifax Mooseheads, who really don't have much else besides him. They tore it down last year. They have Maxim Fortier um, and Nico, and that's about it. Um, so I think those are the five players I'd probably lump up there uh, at the top, and it's it's really – um, no surprise that three of them are centers and one of them is a defender. And my last question for I you think... on, on the draft, Zach, is, uh, you know, the last couple of years you mentioned, it sounds like there's a, definitely a difference in terms of elite talent at the top comparing this coming draft to the last couple of weeks for now. But the, the last couple of drafts had for teams was, it was strong and, in, in my opinion, in depth. And teams, if they did their homework and did a good job, could do well in rounds two, three, and four. When we had George McPhee on the show in the summer, he emphasized this team's going to be built through the draft, and I'm sure he's going to try to take his some of those picks and expansion and turn them into draft picks. Granted, he's not going to get first-round picks, but he's going to try to compi- uh, uh, compile as many second, third, and fourth-round picks. How A, would that be a good philosophy with, with this draft, do you think? I don't think this would be the draft to really go in for uh, for a, for an army of picks. Um, there's always going to be players that surprise. You're, you're going to find the players down there in the seventh uh, round, sixth, seventh round um, that one scout really likes and pounds the table for, and then three or four years down the road really blossoms in, into uh, you know an NHLer. That that is unfortunately the exception. I, we all hear the stories, you know, a player like Patrick Hornquist, who was the last player taken in his draft, and, and then he's an integral part of the Stanley Cup winner. Um, Heinrich Lundqvist was a 212th overall pick, I believe. Right, you know, and and these are all players that um, obviously have had pretty darn good careers. But you look, those later rounds are also littered with. Um, players that didn't really even play past college in, in some cases. It's it's hard, yeah. especially this early. You know, we're still in November. T- players can, you know, they still have at least half a year to develop, show us what they've got. I'm not seeing the early returns that we saw the last couple of years. So I think that this draft is going to be a little bit lighter in depth at least. Um, I, think last, I think last year's draft actually is going to get – uh, it'll take a couple of years, but I think we'll look back and, and look at that draft as one that had uh, substantial depth. Um, this year, I, I feel, is at least a level below that. I was looking back over the last two years, and out of the top 10 picks in both drafts, I think 16 of them have at least played one game in the NHL. And, and if you take any two draft years back to back going back there's maybe 10 12 players out of you know combining both drafts that 
ended up sticking in the NHL out of that those top those 20 picks and to see and to see that many players in just you know a year and and 20 games or whatever it is now to at least get their cup of coffee in and most of them you know have have from two years ago they've they're now they're now roster players um it's i i i agree with you i don't think that depth is there and i think it's a it's a bad draft to try and build your the future of your new franchise with um but like you said you never know there might be some jewels in, in the rough there are diamonds in the rough if you will um go, going back one one last thing from san jose if if uh who who's going to be there unprotected for for the boys here in vegas to to get a look at whether it's a a younger player guys may not know about or a veteran who maybe over the salary cap and underperforming that they might want to take a chance and hope they get exposed. What are we looking for out of San Jose? I think ultimately Las Vegas would be wise to reach into the San Jose Sharks defensive depth uh, and pull somebody from there. You, you know, assuming Brett Burns signs, which is a huge caveat, obviously you're going to protect Burns. You're going to protect Vlasic. And then, Interestingly enough, David Schlemko has inserted himself into that discussion, especially with a very valuable uh, contract that he signed with the Sharks. I think it comes down to him versus Justin Braun uh, for that third protect spot on defense. You look at who that leaves available, that's going to leave you uh, Brendan Dillon. It's going to leave you Paul Martin. Uh, the remainder of either Justin Braun or or, or Schlemko, Um and then, who I think ultimately Las Vegas will take is Mirko Mueller. He's yeah. still a project. He's a young, smooth skating defender. He needs time. Vegas has plenty of it. Uh, but he's a player that a couple years down the road, I think, could be a, a serviceable four or five guy um, on a defensive side. I watch every single Barracuda game. He drives me nuts with some of his, his decisions with the puck. But his defensive game has really improved this year. It's taken huge strides forward. And if he can just get a little bit of confidence with the puck to go with that skating, that reach, that size, he's got the whole package. I think most of what's going on with him is between the years. Um, and that's who I would have Las Vegas take a look at. He's a young guy. You're, you look at who's available in this expansion draft, the, def the defense and the goaltending is going to be set in Las Vegas from day one, you know, Kevin Constantine might be able to get them to the playoffs in a, in a trap system. Um, it's really going to come down to the forwards, but I think San Jose's defensive depth is going to be something that Las Vegas is going to reach into. Well, all right. I'm just about out of time, sir. Thank you again for joining us. You guys can follow Zach at Zach the bear. That's C A K K the bear on Twitter. And he links all of his hockey writers articles through it, through his Twitter page. And you can also go to hockey prospects, hockey profits.com for any more of his, his draft as we get closer and closer towards the 2017 amateur draft. Zach, it's been a pleasure talking to you again, as always, sir. And as we get closer to the draft, we're definitely going to have you back over to, uh, see where see where those kids you were mentioning shake out as the season goes forward sir definitely it's always a pleasure to join you guys love listening to you doing a great job and thanks again for having me thanks man appreciate that all right when we will talk we will talk to you soon take care guys
All right, Chris. Well, I got to wrap it up. All right, just just to wrap up real quick. Uh, that wasn't great news for Vegas in terms of the draft, but it's still early, so we'll see what the returns are. And we're going to be taking next week off for Thanksgiving, and uh, but we'll be back the following week, and we'll iron out. We'll have all the bugs taken care of, and um, uh, we'll talk off air. But I, I think we might have to come back with a very exciting, exciting show. So I'll leave it at that. A little tease. Uh, interesting topic that will affect multiple cities. How's that? How's that for a tease? I do. I like it. I like it. So, as usual, we'll talk to you guys. We hope everybody has a happy American Thanksgiving. Even our friends north of the border, go ahead and get some turkey and stuff in and have a good time with the American football. And for everybody out there, be safe traveling over the holidays. We want to have you back in the audience uh, come early December when we have – I don't even know who's coming in. Chris has a little little shocker there for us. But uh, make sure you follow Chris on Twitter, at the NL King, for all his – all the writings that he does for Last Word on Sports and his Islanders content over at ionisles.com. Um, just make sure you follow at Vegas Hockey Pod. Follow us on iTunes. Give us a sub- hit the subscribe button. We really like seeing that. Um, other than that, everybody have a great Thanksgiving and we're gone. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.